We're going to talk about grace this morning. There's a lot to, to talk about with grace. We're not going to cover everything. We're going to cover a small portion this week, and we'll cover more um, next week, and maybe even the following. But this morning, we're going to talk about grace, the saving grace. Romans chapter 11, 2. We're talking about God's grace towards us. Um, it says, note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And I read that, I'm like, oh, that's a cool verse. Um, and then I read it in the message. And a lot of times I get frustrated at the message, but this time it actually helped. It actually made sense and was true to the text. It says, make sure you stay alert to those qualities of gentle kindness and severity that exist side by side in God. Ruthless with dead wood, gentle with grafted shoot. But don't presume on his gentleness. The moment you become dead wood, you're out of there. And I, and I got thinking about this because I, the way it talks about dead wood just made sense. Because who's kind with dead wood? It's dead wood. You burn it. Like you gather it up, you, you burn it. I, you prune it. You get rid of things. You have a branch that's dead on your fruit tree, you cut it off. <clears throat> this next spring, I got to borrow a chainsaw, hike up a ladder, and cut some branches off an apple tree. Because they died. And now the branches that are going to bear fruit won't grow there because there's a dead thing there, so they stay out of the way, and now I can't reach the apples. It's annoying. So I'm going to cut off the dead wood, burn it. I do uh, bonfires in my small group. The other day we had one that it, it was, you know, within code, like it was inside the circle that it's supposed to be, but it was like this tall. Um, maybe used a little bit of gasoline. And uh, it, was, it was great. It went boom, and then it burned. But be careful with gasoline. My mom blew herself up, not entirely, just mostly, um, had... Burns worse in the back of her legs than on the front. She had blisters about that big around on the back of her legs. She's still alive, which is good. We're very, very glad. Uh, but she learned a lesson that burning things with gas isn't always the best idea and that fumes actually spread out. But that's a different sermon, different story. So with, with this ruthless wood, with the dead wood that he just rips out and this idea that God is so kind, yet the dead wood gets ripped off and we are to continue in his kindness. And this got me, kind of got the whole ball rolling in this idea of the greatest part of Christianity, which leads into one of the largest problems inside of Christianity. Inside this greatness is grace. Is that God offers us grace. That grace Receiving what we don't deserve, favor without regard to merit, is available to us. One of the greatest problems in Christianity is abuse and misunderstanding of grace. And the license to sin. Um, Romans 2.4 says, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Does anyone like presents? Hey, it's best that you don't drop things. You don't know what it is. It might be fragile. Uh, that's not a safe presumption because I'm not the one who wrapped it. So I'm not even sure what and all he's getting. But this is, this is what's important. <clears throat> what did he do to get that gift? Nothing. So why did he get that gift? What does him getting that gift say about him? Nothing. Who does it say something about? Me. Because I'm the giver. 
And in this case, a little bit about Kendra, because she's the one who wrapped it. When I went to her this morning, said, I need to give something away. Give me something cool to give away. And so she went and wrapped a present with, a, I think, a bunch of CDs and a T-shirt. So <clears throat> you go, well, well, why is this? Because it gives you the idea that his, he did nothing to earn it, yet he was given it. Therefore, it was by grace. And when grace is offered, it says a lot about the giver of grace, not much about the receiver of grace. And so when we receive grace from God, it speaks of God and his um, kindness toward us, not towards our earning anything. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. All have sinned and fallen short, Romans 3, 23. Sin have fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ. And we may get into this more next week, the difference in grace and mercy. But in, in short, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. You have sinned. Therefore, you deserve to die and go to hell. Um, I know it's not politically correct, but it's true. Um, not going to hell is mercy. Getting to go to heaven is grace. But even the mercy is only available by an act of grace because that mercy is only available by the free gift of Jesus laying down his life for you even though you didn't deserve it. So even in that mercy, that mercy is only made available by grace. But uh, if it's by grace, this is Romans eleven six. If it's by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Um, how many of you guys have a job? You get paid? That's good. If you have a job and don't get paid, that's a bummer. Um, might want to quit. So, as I, I, uh, I've done a few jobs. I've done good jobs, bad jobs. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have good jobs and how many of you have jobs that just pay. You're like, I don't like this job, but it pays me. You're like, I'm shoveling poop. It's not the highlight of my week, but it pays. Uh, I've done telemarketing where you get cussed out all day. I've worked in shopping centers. I've cleaned up, to I've cleaned toilets. I've done painting. I've done, um, did roofing and a bit of different manual labor. That was work. Um, bundles of shingles weigh about 115 pounds, and I often had the job of just carrying them up and down ladders. And so you're just running up and down, up a ladder with a bundle of shingles, back down the ladder, grab another bundle, back up the ladder, and just do that all day. Um, that was work. I tear it off a roof, cleaning it all up. It was all, it was all work. I remember working, I think one week I worked two 14-hour days back to back. Um, and then you had like, that's not including your little lunch period. So you like, I, I didn't even actually go home that night. I slept at my boss's house. Um, I was friends with his son and we worked. And by the time we got back to the shop, it was 10 or 10.30 at night. And I'm like, I have to be back here at six in the morning. That's stupid. I ain't driving home at 20 minutes. That's almost an hour of sleep. And so I just showered there late down, went, got up and went and did it again in the morning. Um, that week, I was very excited for my check. Um, I think I worked three days a week and I put in like 40 hours that week. And so I was like, all right, this is great. You know, I was in high school. I'm like, this is gonna be a big check. And when I get this check, I don't look at them and go, wow, thank you. You guys are so kind. I'm so glad you decided to give me a check. <laughs> like, dude, 
I sweated 14 hours a day, two days back to back, as well as the other day, which we worked probably a 12-hour day. If we worked an eight-hour day, we called it a half day. Like, yeah, it's a half day. You're all done at three. And you're like, what? Yeah. Uh, there's still light, and I'm done. And so it was great. But, but this happens, and when they give, give it to you, you don't go, thank you for the gift. You go, I'm getting paid. Why? Because you worked really stinking hard to get that money. Now, he says, grace can't be by works. Because if it was by works, it'd be paid. But because it's not, then because it's by grace, then it can't be linked to you earning it. Did young Brownie here, sorry, Nate, young Brownie, his last name is Brown. Um, and so him and his brothers have all been the Brown, Brown, Brownie, big Brown, little Brown. Um, so little Brown, who's now bigger than medium Brown, but that's another story. But anyways, uh, did he do anything to earn it? Does he deserve it right now? No. So do I take it away? No. Why? His earning it had nothing to do with it. He never earned it. So then if grace being offered to me for forgiveness has nothing to do with my earning it, do I lose it then when I don't deserve it? No. So if God's grace is unattached to my merit, there are those who would then say that then is grace a license to sin? Don't get excited. I'm not giving this away. Okay, so. Anyone know what this is? Credit card. Some of you guys are like, no. I just do everything online. Okay, credit card. It's not PayPal, it's credit card. So, um, a lot of people think of grace like this. They go, there's American Express, Visa, MasterCard, and Jesus' grace card. And they go, well, I'm just going to sin. I'll repent later. There's grace. I know I shouldn't, but I'll just repent later. Yeah, there's grace. I'll repent. I'll just put it on the card. You know, Jesus, Jesus, there's grace for something, right? And, and they want to live and they want to use this. They want to use grace like a license, like a credit card that they can just put their sins on. And you go, well, that's not the way we're meant to live. Yes, God's grace has, is not earned, and it's not about your performance. But I've had, I've had this question many times. If, if I'm saved by grace, and I can't earn it, and I don't lose it because I don't deserve it, can I lose my salvation? And then if, if you walk through a few questions... You go through Jude 4. It says, For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you, and they are godless men who change the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. The New Living Translation says this really well. It says, This because some 
Godless people have wormed their way in among you, saying that God's forgiveness allows us to live immoral lives. The fate of such people was determined long ago, for they have turned against our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. It says those that try to use grace as a card to allow them to sin have turned against God. It says that their fate was written about long ago and is hell. And that's pretty bold. And as I was thinking about this, I'm like, all right, so then you go on, you can find Hebrews chapter 10. It says that if we go on sinning, this is verse 26, deliberately, it goes on, it says, there remains a fearful expectation of judgment and fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Um, verse 29 how much worse the punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified us and has outraged the Spirit of grace? I do not believe that you can lose your salvation, but I do believe you can throw it away. I gave little Brown a gift. He can take it and he can be grateful, or he can take it to the nearest trash can and throw it away. If he takes it to the nearest trash can and throws it away, what good will it do him? None. Is it my fault? No. Did he earn the gift? Is his loss of the gift connected to the fact that he doesn't deserve it? Not really. Like, kind of. Like, throwing it away was really stupid, and would be, you could call it an undeserving act. But it was not because I took it away from him because he didn't deserve it anymore, but a matter of the fact that he threw it away for whatever unknown, unlogical reason he may have had. So then you go through and look at us and go, what does that mean for me a receiver of God's grace, of someone who, according to Ephesians 2, 8, is saved by grace. Because salvation is a gift offered to you as you don't deserve. Romans 5, 8 said that he died for us while we were yet sinners. So while you had, did not deserve it in the slightest, he offered us this grace. And so I, I look at this and start to, to go through, and it says in 1 John, that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. So it says, I know you're not going to be perfect. But he wants to forgive us. So it's not that just, that there's a sin and all of a sudden you're like, well, I blew it, so now I'm going to hell. No. You don't lose salvation because you didn't, don't deserve it. But you can still make choices. How many of you guys, do you have any Lions fans? Lions fans, you guys understand this really well. Love you. Um, it's not who's in the lead at halftime that counts. It's what the score is at the end that matters. Now, if you go back with your Lions fans, they've got, if they have a memory, they may have wiped it, but if they go back a couple of years, the Lions were notorious for having the lead for large parts of the game and losing all of them. And this year I hear the opposite is true. 
they're losing all of their games. And in the, the very last few minutes, they somehow magically win the majority of them and have the best record that they've had in a very, very long time. Um, but as I was thinking about this, the game's not over. You have received grace, but you still have the ability to choose. Each day, you can make choices. Those choices still count. You can't lose your salvation, but you can throw it away. And as I talk to people, a lot of times they look at me and go, okay, so, I understand. I see the verses where it's not connected to what I do because it's by grace. But I also see the spots where it says that I can choose to throw it away. So where's the line? Where's the line that separates, hey, I'm right with God and I made a mistake. I blew it. And where's the, I decided and I threw away my salvation. And I've had a lot of conversations about this where people come up to me. In fact, I had one guy that I don't think I'll ever forget who came to me and he began to describe his situation. He's like, my father just died. And you look at him, I'm sorry. And he's like, is he in heaven? I don't know. I don't know your dad. Like, I don't, I mean, was Jesus the Lord of his life? And he goes, begin, instead of going, well, yeah, he said, well, he believed in God and he starts to go through this. He believed in God and we went to church and then here was, you know, that there's a spot that there might be some fruit in his life and here was some spot where he wasn't living for God and here's where I think he was repenting and here's where he thought and he starts to describe this situation for me and he's like, well, can you tell me where is the line? I'm like, no, I can't. I can't tell you with confidence where it is. Romans 6 tells us that grace is not a license for sin. Romans 6.1. What should we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And then in verse 15 it talks about it again. It says that we become a slave to the one we choose to obey. Um, but a lot of people are looking for this. They're looking for, all right, well, what's my minimum requirement? How little can I do and be right with God? Can you give me a, all right, you are allowed, allowed four lies per day, but do not exceed 25 lies per week. If problem persists, see your pastor or cut out your tongue. Like, is there a, a limit that you're like, all right, here's what grace will cover and here's where you've thrown it away. Is there like a line that says, if you go this far, you're okay. And if you go this far, you have turned your back on God and you have crossed the invisible line. And I look at people and go, it's the wrong question. And you won't get the right answer asking the wrong question. If you're asking, how little can I do? Who are you living for? Self. If you're going, I have no interest in pleasing God, but how much can I get by with? Then you don't have a relationship with God you have a desire to please yourself. And you go through going, well, am I living? Going, all right, well, I think I can get by with this. I know that God isn't pleased with that, but I want to see what I can do, how far I can go. 
Or are we concerned with what God thinks? Because the right question is how do I honor God? What's going to make God smile? All the time, this conversation comes up, especially in dating and sex. People go, well, so I know the Bible says that sex is for inside of marriage. And that sex outside of marriage is wrong. That comes up a lot throughout the scriptures. Um, talks about sexual immorality. It defines it. it you are, so that, that's not okay. But how far can I go? And depending on the person, sometimes they just leave the question there. Sometimes they just start going, well, is this okay? 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 It's the wrong question. What you're asking is how far can I push this to please myself before I get cut off? Instead of, God, how can I honor you? And there's this, this spot where grace freely gives you forgiveness, but isn't a license to live for sin. He goes, the one you live for, you make master of your life. Are you living to make God smile? Or to see how far away from God you can live and try to still get the benefits of those who live with God. And as I thought about this, and I thought about this line, I thought the only reason people try to find the line is because it's delayed. If it was instant, nobody is stupid enough to try to find the line. If I was to tell you Half of this room is about to get crushed. Magically, half the ceiling is going to stay up. Half the ceiling is going to fall completely flat. Thousands of pounds are going to crush everyone on that side, followed by a small earthquake in which side that side of the building is going to drop 150 feet, killing everyone in it. If I was to tell you that it was this side of the room, nobody would be counting the squares of carpet going... Where's the center? I want to see how close I can get. Maybe I'll just stick my toe over. I'll be mostly safe. It will be like a high-speed toenail clipping. <laughs> Maybe a toe clipping. Um, no, no one's that stupid. Everybody would be kissing that wall. Like, why? Well, it's going to fall. Well, it's that side of the room. Yeah, but I'm not going to sit here and go, I thought it was this square and find out it was that one. I have no desire to lose my foot because thousands of pounds of steel fell on my foot and took it off with it as it fell 150 feet. That'd be dumb. No one is that stupid. Everybody would go, well, if that, if it's, if it, that half's falling, you either kiss that wall or run out that door. Like, one of the two, you're like, all right, I'm getting out. I'm getting away from. Okay, so in our lives, are we living trying to find the line? Or are we living going, God, thank you for the grace that you offered me 
How do I please you? And we'll get into next week how grace empowers us to live a different life, which is going to be a really fun, fun deal. But as we discover that grace is free, that grace is not tied to my behavior, that I cannot lose it, but that I can throw it away. I ask, who are you living for? Are you living to please yourself? Or are you living to make God smile? And if you're here and say, you know what, I, I, I'm living for myself. Maybe you're living for yourself looks really selfish, or maybe you've been trying to meet different requirements, going, if I just do these things, then I'll be safe. But it hasn't been a relationship with God. It hasn't been to please God. It's just been about how far can I go? I want to give you a chance to start a relationship with God. Not a religion based on rules and do's and don'ts, but a relationship based on living to please God. To walk out what God has for you. To receive what God has for you. If you want to do that, I want to give you a chance. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here and say, today, I want to make him Lord. Today, I want to stop looking for the line or I want to come to God because I'm on the wrong side of things. And I want to give him my life. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm on my way to heaven. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand. One, get ready. Two, three, raise up your hands nice and high. That's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Who says that's me? Awesome. Who else says that's me? All right. I'm going to ask, now whether you raised your hand or whether you've done this before, that you go ahead and repeat after me as we declare God to be Lord of our lives. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.